All right. We should be live on the tube. Let's test it out. Were all the other episodes uploaded today? Uh, no, I didn't get... I got it started, but I didn't get it done. I ended up having three different meetings that all but one went much longer than I expected, etc. It was kind of... <laughs> Uh, I thought your editor was doing that, so. I, well, she edits them, but then I get them up. Um, and so it was on me to get them up once she had them edited. Um, but that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Um, so there's kind of two things we can do. So one, with the audio only, we are... Um, why can't I just find this? <laughs> um with the audio only, she's cutting out pauses and things like that. And then the question is if on video, we want to basically replicate that. Um, do you, do we want to cut out pauses and just times when we're not speaking or, you know, smoking a scar or whatever? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I feel like if it's on video, it might mess the flow of like the conversation up maybe a little bit. Well, wait, to cut out or not to cut out? To cut out. Well, no, you just cut out the pauses. So there is like whenever, like if we stop talking because we're both taking a puff or relighting our cigar or whatever, she cuts that out. So it's not 10, 15, 20 seconds of dead space. I guess that makes sense. I mean, I don't really have a huge preference. All right, I just sent you the link to the to the live. Okay. Sounds like it's working and coming through though. So, and there's not too much of a delay either. Yeah, it's like under ten seconds, so that's nice. All right. Wow, you already have a subscriber. <laughs> same one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, cloudy and messy over here today, so. And it's cold. Oh. The low is like 54 tonight. <laughs> oh. It's not cold, but it's cloudy. It's like really warm in 70. Nice. Yeah, we got Too our heat humid. wave. We got our heat wave in that way. It's like 75% humidity, I think, right now. So. Yeah. Oh, I forgot my book. I got to go get my book once this is lit. 26% too much humidity over here, so. <laughs> What's the humidity down in Texas? Um, it depends on where you're at in Texas. All right, hold on. I got to get my book. Be right back. Oh. All right. Hopefully that still looks all right. Yeah, it looks fine. Cool. OBS up. I'm visual. And hopefully people can hear me. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, they can. There is some feedback. I don't know. Yeah, they can. I don't know what that feedback is. Um, hold on. Or what? I still sound better, so that's like one good thing. I wonder if I can turn down the gain even more. Um, Maybe you should just switch to your phone like me. And your audio doesn't sound good. Yeah, I can't hear you now. Oh, yeah. Test, test, test. 
Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Well, I've got a different muffle or thingy coming uh, today or tomorrow or something. And so hopefully that'll help fix the static. Yeah. But who knows? One thing at a time. <laughs> no one's going to watch this live anyway, so <laughs> this one doesn't matter. The uh, video will be staticky, but hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Moving on. So, how was uh, how has the past week been? Good. Yep. Anything special? No. Not much. Did you listen or uh, consume any quality uh, content? Uh, today and yesterday, I listened to uh, Jocko Willings or. Joe Rogan's episodes with Jocko Willing. He gets oh, yeah. two. Uh, and I also listened to Joe Rogan's with Stephen Crowder as well. The second one, I think. So. Nice. Oh, we got a comment from Blake, Blake Longmare. Do you know that person? Mm-mm. Blake, welcome, uh, welcome to the, the show. <laughs> We're just uh, two brothers who figured we'd try and uh, create some content around uh, things that are going on in our lives that might be going on in other dudes' lives. Uh, may or may not be relatable, but hopefully it is. And uh, so that's the, that's the basic strategy. We don't have the initial episodes. This is technically the fourth episode, but we haven't uploaded the other ones because they weren't live. Um, so we had to get them edited and get them uh, posted. But that's kind of what we're up to. So typically we'll do like a kind of a quick rundown of what we've been up to in the last week or so. Uh, and then... I've got some stuff that uh, I usually will, you know, I, I try and come prepared. <laughs> so I've got some uh, books and some quotes and stuff about mentality and process and how to think about things, et cetera. So that's kind of what we're up to. But you're, I mean, you're very welcome and uh, pleased, to, pleased to see you uh, asking questions. So thanks, man. You're welcome to join in uh, uh, via the chat. So uh, what did you think of those episodes? They were good, yeah. Uh, I really like getting uh, Jocko's perspective. It's been uh, it's been uh, encouraging and uh, insightful. So I appreciate what, appreciate the way he thinks about things, for sure. Got it, um, uh, Blake. Yeah, we totally answer questions. By the way, dude, feel free to feel free to ask <laughs> as long as they're you know legit. <laughs> um, well, insightful in what ways, River? Uh, just, I mean, his uh, his ability to analyze problems and come up with an articulate an articulate way to communicate a solution, specifically relative to being a good leader, because that's his, you know, job. But yeah, uh, you know, learning from his experiences and how to deal with things. So, yeah. You waking up at four thirty a.m. yet? Well, I'm waking up at five a.m. So close. Nice. Yeah, dude, this morning I woke up at 4.50, I think, with, like, no alarm, nothing. Just woke up and was kind of ready to go. Crazy. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. I uh, Last week I woke up three times at 5. And this morning I technically woke up at 5, but I didn't go to work till later because yeah. I, was, I was catching up on some sleep, I guess. For some reason I was still really tired, even though I went to bed at, like, 9, like, which is 
the earliest I've gone to bed since I've been alive, I think. But uh, so I'm going to do at least four times at five this more, uh, this week and then basically just try to add on week after week and pause the habit. Nice. So my body does it automatically. Nice. Yeah, I got a good workout in today too, which is cool. So um, and a full-on leg workout. I ordered some extra weights and everything, so I got it. Got it to where it's getting serious. <laughs> um, let's see. Where's my notes, dude? So I don't know. Go ahead. Um, Blake just uh, put in the chat. This latest soothing. It's sad and all, but dot dot dot. Not sure exactly what you're referring to, uh, Blake. But if you uh, flush it out a little bit, happy to dive in. Oh. Do you think it's weak sauce that these mass shooters are only taking out like 20 grade school kids? If you had an AR and a nine mil, I would think it'd be a hundred percent given no one is shooting back. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so I don't know if you know over here today, but there was a, a shooting at a Texas, I think it was elementary school. Yeah. I saw the headline. Yeah. Well, there were two headlines because one of them said there were two dead and like, over a dozen injured and another one, like I think it was New York post said that there were 14 dead and one teacher killed or something like that. So I saw 15. So yeah, I don't know. So yeah, uh, the, the, the one I saw the most was of the latter. So I assume that that's the one, um, Blake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it's weak sauce <laughs> to use your term to, uh, shoot anyone who is in the position of being an innocent and unarmed, uh, or I mean, innocents typically are unarmed. So um, that's kind of my perspective on it, certainly. Um, I think that a lot of the commentary that I've seen like online and in social media, uh, if the number is like 20, it makes me think of mental illness and not thinking about just getting the most. Oh, you mean relative to the individual's age and whatnot? Um, well, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone in their right mind, relatively speaking, uh, contemplates the murder of, you know, innocent, innocent people, whether they're children or, you know, not, obviously we, you know, children always fit into that category, but, um, that certainly is a, I would say like a mental illness, no matter who's doing it and what your age is. Um, I think part of the, a lot of the social commentary that, that I've seen and come across has been a, a focus on, um, on like, why is this, you know, happening again in America and like, how many times is this going to happen in America and things like that. And I think it's like, I think it's easy to get sucked into that narrative, um, and sucked into that perspective that, this isn't this is an abnormality it shouldn't be happening and i agree that i don't want it to happen um but i also try and take this is just my personal perspective like a very practical perspective in looking at the world and like when i look at history and when i look at what i believe mankind is capable of and how i believe mankind acts today and will act tomorrow i don't look at it and go like you know oh i'm so surprised or oh i think that that's going to stop somehow um you know, in the future, I think, um, you know, advanced, 
quote-unquote advanced <laughs> societies have done a decent job of reducing it, right? We're not all living in the dark ages and slaughtering each other with swords and whatnot. Um, but I think you're always going to have mentally ill people. I think you're always going to have people who are trying to hurt others. Um, and whether it's a shooting of 20 people or a stabbing of one person, I, to a certain extent, other than obviously the magnitude, I put it in the same category of you know horrific. Um, and so, um, and so, and then the other factor to that would be, and I, I see your latest comment, um, and the other factor to that too is, you know, it's not as if we're taking an assessment of, you know, the murder that's, you know, I think there's a, I just read actually yesterday, I think, that there are 100 people killed in Mexico every day, right? Um, and, you know, who knows how many people are killed in um, various other quote-unquote, third-world countries or things along those lines, right? It's like we have no clue how many people are getting murdered on a daily basis around the world. And so, uh, and obviously I think we can't get caught up in, like, trying to solve those problems. I think it's important to, you know, make sure that our local communities are taken care of first, and that's a primary care. Um, so then relative to what you're saying or what you're asking about, you know, what if one of these crazy people is well-trained? Yeah, I mean, 100%, that's always a, that's always a concern, um, and that's always a factor. I think the problem is that you can't really, you can't really solve for that. <laughs> I, you know, I, or at least I'm not aware of any specific ways that you can solve for that. And that's part of the problem of living in a world that's, you know, filled with mankind. It's like, you're, I, I would suggest, or, you know, yeah, I would suggest that there's always going to be people like that. Sometimes they might be well-trained. Sometimes they, you know, and most of the time they're not, thankfully. Um, but that's always, you know, that's always going to be a factor of life. And it's horrible, and we want to do our best to prevent it. But I don't think that you can do 100% to prevent it 100% of the time. On average, 166,279 uh, deaths on Earth every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely a factor in in everyday life for sure. Um, well, in everyday life relative to mankind, obviously, it's not like I experience it every day or something along those lines. But I don't know, Revere. Do you have any thoughts? Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's obviously you can decrease the percentage over time, and there are certain solutions that work better than others. And, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're always going to have evil people, regardless of their mental state, um, that are going to do evil things and that are going to take innocent lives. And you look at most shootings like this, even though you can attribute some mental illness, if you will, you know, they still have the cognitive capability of recognizing that their targets are weak and unable to defend themselves. So I think that's something that we should factor in when we are identifying, you know, sort of what went in behind the motive of the killer. Because you look at most of the shootings, even the one last week that was in the headlines, they were in a place where guns were banned, where people were not able to defend themselves, et cetera. So, or in schools, et cetera. So that's another thing that factors into, you know, when people, do make these evil decisions to take innocent lives that is at least can factor into how we address the solution to 
you know, decreasing the percentage overall that occurs in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are good thoughts. I like that. Um, yeah. No, it's definitely um, a horrific thing for people to go through, for sure. Um, I, I will say, well, I don't know if the um, if the perpetrator uh, shot himself or if he was um, killed by responding police or anything along those lines. I just know that the, the gunman is, is dead. Um, that's certainly, that was certainly, um, for whatever reason, for better or for worse, I definitely, and it, I don't know if enjoyed, but appreciated <laughs> reading that news. Um, you know, but it's still, it's still sad. So, yeah, um, I think I think this maybe ties in a little bit to what we were kind of slightly discussing relative to the Jocko Willink stuff, and then um, a couple things I was going to chat about relative to how you have to, you know, throughout your life you're going to run into things like this, and you're going to run into stories like this, you're going to run into sad and um, disappointing um, outcomes and situations like this and stories. And it's like you have to figure out a way to keep moving your life forward um, and uh, in a positive way because otherwise you just end up in this, you know, emotional death spiral um, that has you not, you know, living a very mentally clear and positive life. Um, one of the things that on that topic that I was thinking about this week, um, which is funny because our dad just texted us something about habits, but I was thinking about habits <laughs> um, and we were just talking about habits and I was thinking about how they are so freaking hard um, to, to build and develop. And so taking case in point, the last two or three weeks of my life, you know, I've had this idea of working on, you know, my candle company, of getting back into being consistent with fitness, of, you know, spending time outside and, you know, kicking the soccer ball, getting a lot of sun, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Well, I got sick with some, like, random strep throat thing that took me out for, like, a week and a half. I had to take antibiotics and whatever. Then the anti And then I had some sort of, like, staph infection on my arm because I think I like scratched a bug bite wrong or something. I didn't realize what it was. Um, and I had to take, I think it was more antibiotics for that. And so like it totally messed over like my digestive system, right? So I was like having random stomach aches. I was feeling out of it. And so it was like two and a half weeks of my life just getting chopped to pieces um, by being sick. And then things like, you know, some days I was still able in between and spread out there. I was able to go outside and exercise and get some sun. And there's other days where like, oh, I was going to go do it this afternoon, but now, now there's a thunderstorm, you know, <laughs> like, well, I can't do that. Um, does that mean I work out in my apartment or condo? It's like, I don't really want to do that. I wanted to go outside. Um, you run into, you know, things changing in your life. You had a meeting scheduled for this time and all of a sudden it got changed to that time. Um, you know, you were going to eat breakfast at this time, but then someone scheduled a meeting instead. Uh, you know, it just like things like that are a, a constant factor. And it's so difficult, or I found it to be so difficult to build habits. 
uh, within that uh, within within that you know real world. And part of part of the reason that I believe in waking up early and kind of getting after it is because usually you know you, that gives you a few hours to actually execute on some habits that if you were waking up just before it's time to head to work and whatnot that you don't have that time available to you. Now, maybe some people like want to operate better in the evening or whatever and you know do it do it works. Um, that's just for me what what works. Um, but it's I've found it to be easier to engage in my habits when I'm waking up in the morning and I have a few hours to execute on them before the randomness of the day starts to to chop at you. <laughs> um, and then I also will try and give myself general categories for each day of what I'm trying to do. So, for instance, like Tuesday nights or well, Monday nights is usually when we try and play Call of Duty together. Tuesday nights is recording the podcast and going live here. Wednesday nights uh, is usually movie night, you know, with uh, my friend and, or my sister and her friend and whatever. And then Thursday nights I keep open. Friday nights I keep open. Often we'll end up playing together. So, um, and then kind of try and tackle Saturday and Sunday similarly. So, like, you can, like, kind of create these big, big, factor or big category, you know, executions for various aspects of your day. Um, but it's, uh, I've just found it's really hard. And I've been thinking about that a lot about how do I craft a, a, a dedicated path through the chaos of, you know, of the day. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that Revere, but those are some things that I was thinking about the last few days. Yeah, well, I mean, that definitely coincides with what I've been, I mean, we haven't even talked about this, but I've had those exact same thoughts over the last week and a half or two weeks and tried to change my schedule up because it is, it's hard to build good habits at least, you know, the, the easy, the bad ones are easy to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if I, if I wake up early and I attack my day, then I enjoy my work more. And I am, you know, I, it gives me, uh, it does give me time in the morning because, you know, like you said, if I just wake up and go to work, then I get back, I don't want to do anything. And it's a lot harder to, I can do stuff, I just don't want to. And it's a lot more difficult for me to, to overcome that as opposed to waking up early, I can get a workout in, I can make sure that I'm, you know, eating food before I go to work, even though that's obviously a small little thing, right? But, um, I can just start my day off. I can pack my day. I can get off work early. It makes me feel better and more productive about my day. And um, and then yeah, it, it allows me to to prepare and focus on you know the things that I have in my evening because I usually have something every evening of the of the week. So you know, those are some of the thoughts I've had. Can you uh, hear the siren coming through? Yeah. No. <laughs> not even close it's like way down there it's on its way up uh, yeah but um yeah no so uh, i am curious like what made you start waking up early versus what's been your schedule for you know to use your words your entire life <laughs> <laughs> well doesn't mean i didn't work hard my entire life it just means i didn't get up early uh well i mean i just have an easy lifestyle so the more i think about it you know i i have you know, you take a look at what Jocko has done, what Joe has done, just as Joe Rogan, just as examples and like where they took their lives, right? There are a lot of people out there that started from the bottom and had to do so much more to get to the high level that they operate at right now. 
Whereas for me, it has kind of come in very easy steps and I haven't had to do really above and beyond what, like just above and beyond what the average person does every day. Like just an eight hour, like a 40 hour work week, et cetera. Right. Um, and, and so it's kind of come in easy steps for me and my life is very easy. And so I don't want that to, I don't, you know, when I look around at how hard other people are working for a lot less and, and what they're having to do each day and they don't have nearly as much time as I do, you know, to do the things that I want to enjoy and participate in. So I don't want to fall into habit, you know, the habits and mindset of an easy lifestyle. I want, I want to do hard things. And I want to force myself to, to be productive and, and to work above the level that I have to. So I stay at work longer than I need to, um, pretty much every single day. Um, you know, and just as an example, right. So even though I don't have to do those things and it would be easier for me not to, I choose to, because I don't want to, I don't want to stay at the bottom easy level, especially if I'm going to make my, make my way up to the top, which I am going to. So mm. you're already at the tippity top and you're not even halfway up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, um, this is the wrong book. So one of the books I'm reading right now is called the drunkards walk, how randomness rules our lives. And, um, it's very interesting. And on page, uh, let's see here. Yeah, 174. Page 174. Hopefully I can read this upside down here. Um, let's see here. All right. I'm going to read uh, a couple paragraphs. They're a little long, but just a heads up. Uh, we all use heuristics, and we all suffer from biases. But although optical illusions seldom have much relevance in our everyday world, cognitive biases play an important role in human decision-making. And so, in the late 20th century, a movement sprang up to study how randomness is perceived in the human mind. Researchers concluded that, quote, people have a very poor conception of randomness. They do not recognize it when they see it, and they cannot produce it when they try, end quote. And what's worse, we routinely, routinely misjudge the role of chance in our lives and make decisions that are demonstrably misaligned with our own best interests. Imagine a sequence of events. This events might be quarterly earnings or a string of good or bad dates set up through an internet dating service. In each case, the longer the sequence or the more sequences you look at, the greater the probability that you'll find every pattern imaginably, purely by chance. As a result, a string of good or bad quarters or dates need not have any quote-unquote cause at all. The point was rather starkly illustrated by the mathematician George Spencer Brown, who wrote that in a random series of 10 to the 1 millionth and 7th zeros and 1s, you should expect at least 10 non-overlapping subsequences of 1 million consecutive zeros. Imagine the poor fellow who bumps into one of those strings when attempting to use the random numbers for some scientific purpose. His software generates 5 zeros in a row, then 10, then 20, then 1,000, then 10,000, then 100,000, then 500,000. Would he be wrong to send back the program and ask for a refund? So I was thinking about this in, well, two things. One, caveat, right? We believe in, uh, in the Lord's um, guidance <laughs> and uh, perseverance uh, over, over um, what happens in life. Though that's not to say we don't believe that we don't have an impact on our own 
um, uh, circumstances and outcomes. So, um, so then kind of continuing on relative to that. Second, I was thinking about this relatively, uh, specifically relative to like a job hunt being a case in point. Um, and because I think I mentioned this last week when we chatted, but if I'm, you know, it's like say I apply to 15 jobs and I get no, 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 right, which is where I'm at right now, you know, or however many jobs. Um, if the math is that you only get a job in one or an offer or conversation, whatever, in one out of every 50 jobs, applica app, uh, applications you send out, or one out of every 100, then that one answer, one positive answer could come at the beginning or it could literally be the 50th or the 100th response, right? And so no matter how many no's I'm getting in that sequence, I, those, are, those are a generation of randomness, relatively speaking, relative to the mathematics of when you should expect the output that you should give relative to the response you should expect. And I was thinking about that relative to building habits. Because um, when you think about this cognitive bias, essentially an element of that is the development of habits and falling into this habit of having cognitive bias. So your cognitive bias, my cognitive bias might be that, um, that I'm just seeing no's, you know, uh, dozens of no's in a row on applications I'm sending out because like I suck, right? That might become like, that might be the cognitive bias that I um, ascribe to because I'm operating within a cognitive bias rather than according to what is reasonably expected within, you know, the, uh, a mathematical perspective on a hundred applications. And it, it, it made me think of actually one of the things that I practice, which is pushing back against cognitive bias or what I refer to as pushing it back against habits. So kind of resisting even for a little bit to help reinforce in myself a broader mind or way of interacting with the world. So the way that that manifests itself for me is if I get in the habit of, of always drinking water right at 7 a.m., um, then what I'll sometimes do is make myself wait until 7.05 <laughs> or 7.10 or I'll drink it a little bit early because my cognitive bias, my habit that I'm leaning into is like causing me to go into this like state of my brain not engaging with what I'm doing or not being aware and active relative to what I'm doing. Uh, I will do that relative to uh, if I'm making a smoothie, which I used to make a billion smoothies uh, because that was like, part of how I was doing calorie intake for when I was working out real hard. And, um, and I always made the smoothie the exact same way, but I was aware of the fact that I was doing it and why I was acting on each impulse. I wasn't just like, you know, going through the habit of like, oh, this is just how I do it. My brain's off. It's like, no, that was a habit I wanted to reinforce. Um, other times when I'm thinking about a subject, I will ask myself, am I thinking about is the thought that I just had or the train of thought that I just engaged in the result of a cognitive bias? Could it be? Yes or no? If it is, how do I think about the exact opposite? Um, and so it's just kind of a mental framework and way of thinking about cognitive bias and also as it relates to habits. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but it kind of stood out to me when I was reading the book. Um, and it... 
then it kind of got me thinking about the how it was connected to habits to a certain extent and how I, I will, you know, I'll force myself not to execute on a habit just to make myself uncomfortable with getting into too much of a groove or falling in, falling, basically falling asleep on the, on the job because I'm just in a groove. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, way to think about it. I, I don't know how that applies to good, healthy, like productive, fruitful habits that benefit you every day though. I suppose is the negative that you're, or like the purpose of yourself not engaging those habits to, to, uh, sort of sharpen your ability to to like recognize the value that lies in the habit each each time you do it or yeah so that's where it's it's more about it's it's i would maybe there's it's important to draw a distinction between a purposed habit and a habit born of a cognitive bias so my habit of drinking water at 7 a.m is uh, which is i made that up i don't have that habit but you know, if that was a habit or that was a, a default action of mine, it's the result of cognitive bias rather than it in theory. I mean, I'm obviously we're playing around here, but um, we're playing a mental game. Um, but that's different than saying every morning at 7 a.m. I want to drink a glass of water because the next thing I do is I work out and I want to be hydrated or whatever. Um, so I think there's a difference between purposed habit and habit as a result of subconscious even cognitive bias yeah that makes sense oh here's a good one uh so sleeping at uh, you're on your bed at night you're going to sleep and you have a you know your foot's hanging over the edge and you're like i feel uncomfortable there's a monster under the bed right <laughs> i think everyone has that experience right I would purposefully leave my foot out there to challenge that cognitive bias, even if it was only for an extra 20 seconds or 10 seconds or whatever, just to make myself uncomfortable, just so I wasn't falling like, oh, I'm scared. I'm going to slide my foot in. It's like, no, this is irrational. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to make myself uncomfortable, and then I'll pull it in and you know go to sleep peacefully. But again, it's like it's, that's a great case in point of like I've done that so many times. It's like a a, 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 a a purposeful push and pull against kind of a default cognitive bias or way of looking at things. Um, and again, the book is speaking about specific, to a certain extent, the book is speaking about a specific mathematical elements and perspectives. But I think it can be equally applied to what I would say is uh, subconscious, uh, subconscious impetus almost, which influences a lot of how we live our lives. And I think that people who push themselves in that way are like, um, you know, to use a movie character reference, like you're like a Jason Bourne, right? It's like when he's, uh, one of my favorite scenes is in the first movie, right, is when they're in the, the diner and he's like, you know, I know at this altitude I can run flat out for a half mile before my uh, arms start shaking. And the guy over there was 250 pounds, knows how to handle himself. I can tell you the best place to look for a gun is in the cab of the gray, uh, gray truck outside right he's got this whole list of things right and like that's the result of someone who's pushing themselves and who's challenging themselves and isn't just walking into a diner and hasn't practiced walking into a diner instead they've practiced pushing themselves challenging themselves sitting there at the meal and all of a sudden being like you know what i don't wonder what the best place to look for a gun is right like he had to intentionally go through that mental process 
before it nat- naturally happened to him as he was sitting, you know, post-amnesia. So, um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good thoughts. Okay, so the other thought, the other thought is that the cigar is a pain in the butt to smoke because it's got a strong draw. Um, Same here. Uh, all right, the other one was page 185. Ah, yes. So I thought that this was interesting relative to, uh, I was thinking, the, the note that I wrote down was stress leading and causing illness. So here's the, uh, here's the paragraph. People like to exercise control over their environment, which is why many of the same people who drive a car after consuming half a bottle of scotch will break free, or will, uh, will freak out if the airplane they are on experiences minor turbulence. Our desire to control events is not without purpose, for a sense of personal control is integral to our self-concept and sense of self-esteem. In fact, one of the most beneficial things we can do for ourselves is to look for ways to exercise control over our lives, or at least to look for ways that can help us feel that we do. The psychologist Bruno Bettelheim observed, for instance, that survival in Nazi concentration camps, quote, depended on one's ability to arrange to preserve some areas of independent action, to keep control of some important aspects of one's life, despite an environment that seemed overwhelming, end quote. Later studies showed that a prior sense of helplessness and lack of control is linked to both stress and the onset of disease. In one study, wild rats were suddenly deprived of all control over their environment. They soon stopped struggling to survive and died. In another study, in a group of subjects who were told they were going to take a battery of important tests, even the pointless power to control the order of those tests was found to reduce anxiety anxiety levels. And so I feel like that's kind of relevant in two ways. So way one, um, I think it goes to the importance of being intentional about what we were talking about a little bit uh, last week or so um, about forming habits, or not forming habits, about framing your mind and the importance of being purposeful about how you're framing your mind. Um, Because I think not only does that give you a sense of control over your environment, but it teaches you to feel a sense of control of your environment. And then it gives you actionable steps, which then reinforce those things. And then the other thing that I was thinking about it relative, uh, is relative to the, uh, what, how they highlighted stress leading to illness. And like, I've certainly, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would say I've experienced that. I have lived a life that was so stressful that it caused me to develop um, illness. Um, once in my life. Um, but, and I felt unwell due to stress one or two other times in my life. But I'm not someone who naturally gets stressed. I'm, I'm a pretty calm operator. But there's been a few times in my life where the stress has just been astronomical. And those times were often due to a lack of a sense of control over the, you know, whatever the environment was and the situation was. So, um, so anyway, I thought that that was like a really cool reinforcement of a the importance of framing your mind and being purposeful about how you're framing it, and I liked the identification. Uh, or, or, yeah, well, I liked the call out of the Nazi concentration camp example because that's such an extreme example where the theory is still proved true, still holds true, right? Where even if you are in 
a concentration camp, they and 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 you are a, you are able people the the the, the, um, the victims the prisoners were able to provide a sense of control over their environment. They were the ones that did better than those who you know either totally couldn't or weren't even able mentally to be able to do so. Um, and and it, I mean, like, a, you know, this is covered in war movies and prisoner movies quite a fair bit, which is why, like, so Bridger of the River Kwai, good example. Um, in that movie, I don't know if you, have you seen that, Revere? I don't think so. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, and in it, basically, there's a, you know, a, however, battalion or whatever it is, captured British soldiers, and they're being watched by uh, Japanese, um, uh, Japanese um, military in some, you know, random jungle you know, camp. It wasn't a concentration camp. It was kind of a work camp because they were trying to build a bridge. But anyway, the British commander was like reinforcing, like, we're going to follow the rules. We're going to wake up on time. We're going to do things together. You're going to report to your commanders. We're going to like X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, and maintain basically a sense of professionalism. And part of that was his intention not to enable the Japanese commanders to break them down. And also as a, um, so A, and then B, also to prevent, uh, oh, to kind of stick it to the Japanese guy saying, hey, we're the British, we're the best, and, you know, we maintain discipline no matter what the circumstances. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a get yeah. and take there. Um, but basically, again, reinforcement of the imperative, which has been a known thing in, 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 um, relative to prisoners and being, in, uh, and being in various prisoner camps and whatnot, is that necessity of maintaining a sense of control. And so applying that to our own lives, um, I think that I think that the tendency, and, and here's where it gets tough, <laughs> um, aside from, you know, thankfully not being in a concentration camp, where it gets tough is there, there is an assumption, and I would say almost a vocalized expression of a sense of it has a snowballing effect. And, right, hey, if you're waking up on time, then that means you're working out. And if you're working out, then that means you're feeling good and you're having a better day. And if you're having a better day, then that means you're sleeping better at night and blah, blah, blah. And it's like that doesn't actually really pan out that well uh, or that way. In my experience, which, like, I've spent – I used to be um, – yeah, I, I've been very disciplined in my life. Um, and there were periods of my time where I was exceedingly disciplined. Like, I don't think you could have gotten more disciplined unless I was, like – you know, watching a little less family guy and reading books on top of getting my master's, working a full-time job in an insane environment, saving a school basically, and working out every single day for like up to two hours and playing soccer and et cetera, right? So it's like, I, I, yeah, and I got my master's. So it's like, I was locked in. That was one of the stressful times in my life and I got sick because I overdid it. Um, slash it was stressful. But um, in my experience, it is not about, it does not have a snowball effect because you are always one slip away from not executing on a habit and not executing on feeling well, et cetera. And so I think it's more about it, the constant reinforcement of the habit, quote unquote, becomes easier. But I don't believe it has this um, natural snowball effect on your personal life. Now, what it does do is it does have a natural positive impact on your life, right? Which is where people who are engaged, locked in, and in following through and engaging good habits, et cetera, et cetera. Those are people that are setting themselves up for, uh, you know, opportunity, essentially. 
uh, whereas people who are not engaging in that way are not setting themselves up for opportunity. But I don't think you can say that that opportunity is a direct, you know, uh, the opportunity in and of itself is not a direct result of the habit and of the execution. It's that the habit and execution enables you to take advantage of the opportunity and puts you in the path of opportunity. Yeah, totally. Those are, uh, those are all my notes. Um, the other thing. Oh, so I had a conversation uh, today with uh, with a small business management broker guy. A really good conversation. I, this guy, we're we're totally gonna be friends. He's really cool. Um, and he had some thoughts on the uh, on the idea of buying a small to medium sized business SMB. Ver- uh, so I'll, we can talk about that a little bit to give it a little bit of a background, which I think we've touched on. But basically, we've been looking at the idea of buying a real estate property um, or you buying a real estate property and me co-signing it so we can um, save money on the down payment. Um, and as, as, as a strategic investment, essentially, where it's like I might live in it for a while, might Airbnb out, might short-term rental it, long-term rental it, whatever, right? Basically starting to create some, some value and equity in, uh, in, in real estate and, and building a, a business around that. Uh, but then earlier, uh, a day or two ago, I started, which I mean, I've thought about this. I just like started engaging with it. Uh, the idea of buying a small SMB, small to medium-sized business, which was already cash flowing, where I could take a salary and you could get immediate kickback for your investment from the cash. And within a year or two, you could probably make as much or more relative to your investment, in theory. I mean, it kind of depends on the size and the, how it works out. Uh, so, that's good stuff. <laughs> uh, so, one of the things that this, uh, that this guy mentioned was in order to find one that's in the right realm of being able to get some cash and have enough money to pay investors, et cetera, et cetera, is you, you're going to need something between 200000 and a, a million to $1.5 uh, in cash flow, which is cash flow. The technical definition of cash flow is cash in and out of the business. That's cash flow. Uh, it's generally an unhelpful metric. What they really are referring to is seller's discretionary earnings, or SDE, which is to say, basically, well, they can be referring to SDE, or they could be referring to total revenue, which in one point, like a million dollars worth of revenue, you can probably expect around $300,000, $350,000 in earnings, which is then obviously spent on salary and um, loan uh, payments and everything else. So. That's what he encouraged me to like take a look at. He said, let me know if you gave me some other metrics to, to peruse or to use in my perusal. And, um, and so I figure I'd take a look at it. It's not like my first instinct. My first instinct is still to like find a full-time job and just move and be able to work remotely or whatever. Uh, just because I think it's a little bit simpler and slightly less scary. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but I'm keeping it keeping the option open and I'm trying to develop relationships with people in that realm who actually might know people who need someone like me to come in and operate for them. So that's kind of, uh, kind of the latest on it. Um, I actually recorded a podcast earlier today 
it'll probably be delayed until July 1st um, release, but very cool podcast with uh, basically an SMB um, uh, expert uh, uh, on legal stuff. So like an attorney that like is aware of SMB stuff. And uh, they basically, um, they offered, said they've got a decent account and they said, hey, like, you know, write something up and send it over to it and I'll tweet it out because like there's tons of people looking for people like you. So it's just about trying to figure out how to find it. So I was like, well, that's, yes, <laughs> I agree. That's what it's about. Um, <laughs> so, so I was very gracious of them and I, I still got to get it typed up. I was following up on some other stuff the rest of the day, but. Um, but actually, it'll be a really cool podcast, and then I'm going to record one with this um, with this business broker maybe next week or the week after, and that'll also be a really good one. Nice, that's super cool. One of the first businesses he mentioned was uh, uh, a Chinese takeout that's doing like two million a year. Nice. Yeah. He's like, basically, you don't. We, you could even hire an operator, and you're just there for like the big picture stuff. I was like, yeah, I just don't know about a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I don't. <laughs> it's like there's a lot of cash well, in it. That's a little crazy, but there's a lot of cash in it. But in order to grow, like you have to expand, right? So like we have to go find a whole new location. You're getting involved in real estate permits. I'm sure the liability is, you know, way higher, obviously, because you're serving food. I was like, there's just like so many factors there that it's like that aren't appealing to me. I was like, eh. I mean, he mentioned some other ones. He was just using that as an example in our conversation. But um, yeah. But anyway. Ding. Did you? Uh, we'll we'll move on to chill stuff. <laughs> Did you uh, watch Natalie's reaction to um, John Wick yet? Yeah, yeah, I did. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I thought it did it justice. I really like her because she does a good job of getting into the, the, the movie and the story while also, like, recognizing, like, oh, this is a really cool shot. Oh, I love how this adds, you know, implications to what's going on in the scene and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, she does a good job of breaking down the different aspects. Yeah. She doesn't get it right every time, but yeah. it's... uh. It's good. I'm going to try and get Cassie on my podcast. Right. Yeah. She, I know she's done a podcast. I don't know why she would say no. So. <laughs> well, if she does, you just tell her you'll unsubscribe. Yeah. You caught up on um, Dry Creek yet? No, actually, I haven't listened to him for a while. I uh, probably have a lot of videos to, Fake fan. to check out. So. Dude, I was so mad we lost that game last night. It was fine. Like, which, I mean, one, which one? Well, the one that we lost by one second. Oh, um, the last one. Last one. It's two hundred one ninety nine. Remember, it's. So I, I was trying to remember what map we were on. It was a uh, hotel. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was brutal. I cannot believe I literally. Okay, well, it probably wouldn't have made a big difference, but I made the last push. I got two guys. I laid down on the point, and then it stopped at 199. I was like, oh, it's probably just being contested. I better stay where I'm at so that I don't give up my hiding place so that I can stay on time when we get them off of it again. And then I realized it had moved, and by then it was too late for me to rotate, which if I had rotated, I probably would have. 
got shot anyway. But yeah, that was that was rough. We 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 would have had at least a second chance um, if I had seen. Well, we this both guy. dropped like seventy. Bombs. We dropped seventy six each. Um, we were frying, but our teammates were just horrific. Um, and I, we probably would have won or at least had a second chance. But I came down the alley where I came down the, the, the walkway and there was a guy sitting on our side in the corner. And so I thought it was like a dead body because like nobody hides up front. They go hide in the back on that point. And so I didn't notice it. And so it, I, I hiccuped in my movement. And of course, he was like basically watching that way. And so he got the he had the jump on me. I still almost got him, but it wasn't enough. And if I had gotten him, I would have been have the two seconds to go get to the point, but um, and at least contest it because there was a second guy that pushed up to it. But and I, you know I probably could have killed him because I was up close with my gun. But yeah, dude, ugh. sad, <laughs> very sad. <Damn. laughs> mm. That's the name of the game, I guess, when you're uh, playing with randoms. Oh yeah, and shout out to the PILA. Uh, team you guys suck butt figure <laughs> out how to use figure out how to do something other than use shotguns <laughs> at the end that guy was like i got no i'm a beast i got nine headshots with a shotgun which i was like well i mean all you I have, have to do I is have point and pull the trigger because they're idiots <laughs> case in point nah, normally i normally i mute them but i didn't that time and they were talking a bunch of trash stupid yeah if they start talking like dumb trash, I'm like, yeah, you're muted. I'm not letting you in my head. You can you can yap all you want. I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> I'm gonna focus on like how I'm gonna win the next match. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Well, any other thoughts, or should we wrap up the pod here? It's a little bit shorter than normal, but you know, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think I've got anything major. So. Yeah. All right. Well, for those of you who are watching, well, first of all, thanks to uh, shout out to Blake for uh, jumping in a random stream with no viewers and uh, asking <laughs> some questions. That was cool. Uh, very exciting. So uh, thanks. To you Blake. said no one was going to watch this live. And <laughs> yeah, he, wrong. he literally <laughs> made me a liar. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, that was super cool. And if uh, you're listening to this uh, post uh, post production, then, uh, you know, we love that. And, uh, Please, uh, you know, if you want to see more, interested in more, or like want to make sure you don't miss the next live stream and want to ask some questions and uh, call us out for something, <laughs> then uh, feel free to uh, hit the like button, subscribe, turn notifications on, and all that jazz because uh, we'd, uh, we'd love to make this as interactive as possible. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep grinding away. Have a great rest of your week, folks. <laughs>